Amen. Praise God. Why don't you open your Bibles this morning, your iPads, your smartphones, your dumb phones, or whatever you want, and uh, open them to the Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 32, a familiar passage of Scripture, and Jesus is, is speaking here, and he's telling them some, some, uh, some interesting things. Of course, everything that Jesus said was interesting, amen? In John, chapter 8, verse 32, he says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Verse 34, he says, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to, uh, to it forever. Verse 36, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, according to Jesus in this passage of scripture, uh, how can we have freedom in our lives? What does he say there? And we can talk back. It was just real informal, as, you know, today, just relaxed. So what does he say? How can we have freedom in our lives? Know the truth. And the truth sets us free, so we're set free of that. Um, and, and it's, um, to, the, the word know there that's used means to be absolutely certain, to be absolutely sure of something. So he says you can be absolutely, if you, uh, you can know the, the truth and the truth will set you free. We need to absolutely know the truth, the word of God, know it for certain, and when we do that, then it'll set us free. Um, what does it say uh, that he holds, uh, or that holds us back from being free? Look at verse 34 is, is the key there. What holds us back from, from this freedom? Sin. Okay, um, what, to what extent are we free? If we look at that verse, it says we're free indeed. So, what does free indeed mean? How? What's the scope of that freedom? Spiritually, or we, does that mean we're set free spiritually? Most of the time, we look at it and we think, of course, that's what it means. We're set free spiritually. We know the truth, and it starts at salvation. As we receive that, uh, then we become a child of God. We're free from the slavery of sin and the oppression of Satan, so we become free. But what about emotionally? Does, it, does this freedom that he's talking about here, does it flood over into that area for our mind, our will, and our emotions? We're free there. We don't have to be oppressed. What about physically? Does it, does it flood over into that realm as well? Sure, we know that by his stripes we're, we're healed and various things, and so we can have freedom physically, but how does that now go about in, as far as the... The things in our life every day, um, the things that would, the governing principles over us, does that freedom extend into those things as well? If we're a child of God, whose authority are we under? God's authority, okay. And so there are certain laws, natural laws, there are spiritual laws. Uh, so what does this mean then, this freedom? How does it go into, how does it go on into these natural laws, these spiritual laws, the physical laws, uh, the things that, that would govern us? How does that freedom pertain or uh, apply in that area? Thinking real hard. It should, do you think that it should, that it, it would flow into those things as well? Okay. So would that mean then, what about my finances? Would it apply to my finances? Well, we, what I'd like to talk to you about this today is to, uh, I want us to, knowing the truth about financial freedom. Because sometimes I think we just kind of uh, lump it together and we hear about it, and, oh yeah, that's good, I want, I want to be financially free, 
And so we just get it and we run on out and we don't, it's just like buying something. When we're opening the box, we throw the instructions away and we get it and we, so we hurry up and try to get it working. And then when it doesn't work, then we look around and try to figure out where we threw the instructions. A lot of times we hear certain things, the spiritual principles, and we, oh yeah, I like that. Financial freedom. Oh yes, I want that. And so we throw the instructions or set them aside and we're going to go out and just think it's an automatic thing. Jesus didn't say that. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We need to know the truth about those, those principles if we're going to allow, if it's going to bring freedom in our life. We need to be free in, in a lot of different areas. Think about your life and things that are going on, and is there any area of your life that you feel trapped or held back or in bondage or something too? If so, then you need to apply freedom there. What we want to talk specifically about today is financial freedom. And so, you know, we saw that we are free indeed, so that it covers, should cover everything. Uh, think about this. Why is this freedom important to God? Or is it important to God? Is it important to Him or is it just important to us? It is important to God. Um, why is it important to Him that we be free? To spread forth his kingdom, exactly right. To advance his kingdom, to, to know him and to make him known. We need to be free to know God, and we need to be free to make him known, uh, to accomplish his will. We need to be free to be able to accomplish God's will. Now think about this, because here's some key things as we build this little foundation. I want to try to build a foundation here that what we teach today, that you can put that on. We need to be free so we can accomplish God's will. Whatever would come into our life that would hinder us from accomplishing God's will would be something that would hold us back and we wouldn't be free there. That's where we need to have wisdom to make the decisions that we don't allow that thing to be a stronghold that would hold us down, hold us back from the freedom that God has for us, freedom to accomplish God's will. Does that make sense? We know that that he wants us to accomplish his will. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, when you pray, say, and then he told us, and then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We are to pray. We, we have been given authority. With this freedom that we have, we have authority now, once again, over the earth, on the earth, and over the earth, to be God's uh, representatives of his authority. And he says, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you prohibit here on earth shall be prohibited. Whatever you loose will be loosed in heaven. And so we have this authority, but we need to be wise then to see if we're leaving the door open or if we're allowing anything to come into our life or to parallel our life that might distract us from accomplishing God's will. That's paramount. That's what it's all about, accomplishing God's will. Now, with that said, does freedom or does, do financial matters make a difference? Could, it, could that affect us being able to accomplish God's will? Would it be safe to say then that financial decisions really are spiritual decisions? But do we pray about all those things we do? <laughs> when you go to buy a car, you ought to just kneel right there at that salesman's desk. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> Give me wisdom! God might say, no, not this one, and you walk out. They wouldn't want you praying anymore, but... Freedom in all these areas of our life is very important because we have, been, we have been assigned 
to accomplish God's will on the face of the earth. People, when we stand before God, what will we be judged for? Accomplishing His will or not accomplishing His will? Each one of us have a, a purpose, and we know that there's a universal will of God, and all of us participate in it. There's a general will of God, but there's a specific will of God then for each one of our lives. And so it's very important. And uh, we know that these things, if we don't allow, it, if we don't um, take advantage of the opportunity of freedom in our life, then we can hinder ourselves from doing God's will and hold us back. And then the things that God has, the rewards that he has for us, uh, we'll lose those. In Matthew chapter 6, you can turn there if you want, because we'll look at several verses out of Matthew chapter 6. It's an interesting chapter, really, Jesus tells us there who our source is and how to look to God for our source. But in verse 24, Jesus says this, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So we know that there's, you know, we can only have one master, and that's God. We're to accomplish His will, and we've, He's given us freedom so that we can be able to, to accomplish His will, but we've got to exercise that freedom. Everything that God gives to us is provisional. We have to, uh, uh, make it a, we have to appropriate it into our lives by then knowing it, knowing that truth, allowing that truth then to bring freedom from the things that would hinder it, and walking in it, making it something that's real every day, bringing it into our lives every day, taking it out of the spiritual realm and, and the provisional realm and putting it into the very practical realm. And so Jesus says here, no man can serve, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and, and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. So we've got to make sure that who's in charge of our life? Jesus, or the King of Kings. God is for, first and foremost. So would your financial freedom be important to God then? Why? Freedom to serve Him only, not to serve another master. We've got to be free to serve God only. So He, he will do what He needs to do to help preserve and protect the freedom that He's extended to us. We send military troops around the, the world to help uh, ensure and protect the freedom that we have as citizens, citizens of this nation and also citizens of the world. And uh, the president can execute or, or uh, he can, uh, you know, authority on his behalf to, to protect. God will protect the freedom as we ask him, uh, the freedom that he's extended to us, that we can be free in these areas. And so financial freedom is very important. So according to what Jesus said, uh, what would hold us back from the financial freedom? Remember that? It was sin, right? He says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. So we have to be careful. Here's the battle. It's the battle of sin. And we have that. It comes in what? Many forms and fashions and shapes and sizes, colors and, and various things, right? Sin. It's this thing that, that holds us back. And what he says here, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Then that sin becomes a master over us, and we can't serve two masters. So we have to be careful that we don't enslave ourselves to something or someone or, or uh, whatever that would, that would hold us back. Sin uh, does away with the freedom that we had in that area. What kind of sin? Any kind of sin. Sin's sin, right? Well, how would it, what about into finances then? Um, do you believe that money is a sin? 
I heard Roberta say it's how you use it. Um, is money the root of all evil? We've got different things of uh, got some pretty sharp people here. Look at First Timothy and hold your place in Matthew six if you want to. But First Timothy chapter six verse nine, Paul's telling Timothy, this young pastor, some things, some principles here, preserving the freedom and various things. And and did you know that there, Jesus had more to say about money than he did any other topic in the Bible? So there's over 2,000 some scriptures on, on money. So money must be important or he wouldn't have so much to say about it. And so, again, we can either be free in that realm or not. Listen to what Paul tells to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. He says, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So as we look back, we see that he says, for the love of money, like Gabe was hollering out over there, the love of money is not the root, but a root, because there's a lot of roots to evil. He says, is a root of all kinds of evil. So it's not money itself. Money would be what you call amoral. In other words, it's, it's neither good or bad. It just depends on who's using it. It's like a gun. You know, the gun itself is, is just not a problem. It's who holds the gun. The gun could be used to, uh, to help protect freedom, or it could be used to take away freedom, right? Money can be the same thing. Money uh, in itself is not a sin, uh, it's the love of money, and it's the pursuit of money, and it's, the, and it's as he said, people who want to get rich fall into temptation. Now, boy, we have to kind of bring this down and, and um, split a few hairs here. Sure, there's something within us that de there's a desire that we want to get rich, right? We have to look at how can we have that, is that a, could that be a God-given desire? I think it comes from our spirit because God, he says, be, uh, when, he, when he created man, he says, uh, you know, be fruitful and multiply. In God's kingdom, to flourish is something that God has put into all things that he creates. He wants it, there to be abundance. He wants there to, uh, things to flourish. If you're not flourishing and, and multiplying, then, it's, then you're dwindling up and dying, right? So really, in a sense, there, there is a, a desire that is placed in us by God to flourish. But we have to be careful that that doesn't fall over into our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, or that Satan gets, uh, uh, attaches to it and pulls us then to that part of where people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. No, we don't want to go that direction. So we have to be careful then that this, this uh, inborn tendency to flourish and to multiply then is still protected in its, in its, in its right, right position in our life. How can we do that? It has to be surrendered to God. See, we need authority over us to help us, to make sure we don't get out of line. Jesus in the prayer, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He says, you know, he's praying, he says, you know, lead us, lead us, so we go through and 
temptation and not fall into it and fall into the hands of the tempter. So as we go through and as we pass by uh, temptation every day, lead us so we don't fall into it and give place to, to, to temptation. So in this whole thing here as well, in our finances, we know that there's this a, a natural uh, spirit-born tendency to prompt us to flourish, to multiply, that God wants us to do that. So we need to surrender that to God so that we can seek after those things, but not in a sense of where that it's the get rich, fall into temptation and trap into many foolish and harmful desires. So we have to submit it to God and let Him then direct us through that desire. Are you following me? So um, money can play a, a, a real big part. Uh, it can, you know, if, if we're not careful here, we can follow after it and seek after it rather than seeking God and His will. Because remember, we're here to, to accomplish God's will. So if we're seeking to accomplish God's will, it's all in perspective, then money is necessary to do that. Right? Sure it is. You know, if you want to learn more of the Word, you've got to maybe go buy a Bible or an app, uh, you know, and for your, one of your electronic devices or something like that, so you've got to spend some money. Well, is it okay? Is that a good purchase? Sure. If it's going to help you to discover and to accomplish God's will, that'd be a good purpose, right? We really need to line these things out almost like, I hate to say this because some people could take this and get into bondage. Remember, we're free. But like, like a budget in a certain way. If it's, if it's designated to that, then it's fine. It's there to spend. So we need, it, need to make sure that the things that we're following after and what we're doing is designated to accomplish God's will. That's the filter that you run it through. Back, uh, we see that the, the actual definition of money, money is a resource provided by God to accomplish His will. It's just simply a resource. And there's a lot of different resources, but money is simply a resource provided by God to accomplish His will. And so if you're seeking to, to accomplish God's will, then you need some resources to do that. Money is one of the resources. Now back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24 I didn't read all of that verse a while ago. I left off a little part. I don't know if you knew that or not. But let's read verse 24 again and read it in its entirety. Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There he really does line it out. He specifically says God and money. He was talking about two masters a while ago, so that could be two different things. It could be a lust in your, in your life. You can't serve lust and you can't serve God. But what Jesus brings down, and he doesn't mess around, he simply says you cannot serve God and money. Why? Well, evidently, this is one of the top areas that we would fall in and go after go, uh, uh, and, and surrender our freedom to. You know... In a, uh, also money, not only is it a resource provided by God to accomplish His will, but it's a reward. It's a reward for seeking God's kingdom and His principles of moral purity. Righteousness, in a sense, righteous is just morally pure. You know, person, oh, they're righteous. Now, it depends on what era that you got your vocabulary from. Back in the 70s and stuff, oh, that's righteous. You know, in other words, that's, that is so off the chain, you know, it's off the hook, it's on, you know, whatever's up now. And, uh, you know, so that's just a way of saying it, but it was like, man, that's just it. 
It's everything's perfect in it. So righteous really in its sense means moral purity. And so he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, 33. This sixth chapter of Matthew is a good, it's a good chapter. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well because he was talking about all these things that are needed. So rather than seeking the things, we seek God to accomplish God's will. So if we're seeking to accomplish God's will, he says, then it's no big deal. You seek to accomplish God's will in a morally pure way, not some divisive and scheming way, like how you can get around things and get it accomplished. God's not going to bless that because he's not into that type of work. You know, <laughs> it's, it, it, So if we're seeking to accomplish God's will in a morally pure way, he says, then these things are going to be added to you. Money then would be a reward then to help us to accomplish those things. Financial freedom and abundance is important to God. You've got to know that. It's very important to Him. His desire is that you seek His kingdom first and make it, uh, make it His kingdom and His righteousness, His morally pure principles, make those uh, first and foremost in your life. And then He says, or make it your greatest passion, really. And He says, if you do that, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Now, uh, let's see Here's a, an agree-disagree question for you. See if you agree or disagree. According to the scripture, Matthew 6.33, that we just read, financial freedom and prosperity become inevitable. Everybody say that. Inevitable. Would that be true? According to that scripture that we just read? So in other words, if you seek his will to accomplish his will in a morally pure way, it's what he wants you to do. It's what he's assigned us to do. It's what we're put here on earth to do then would the freedom of finances apply? Would it be inevitable that God would do that? Sure. Jesus said, ask what you will and it shall be done. When we're surrendered to God and we're doing what he's called us to do, then it's going to happen. Provision comes at the point of need when it's in God's will to do it. Wow, that's easy to say. Discovering that for each decision that we make is another thing, right? And we, one of the results of it that we can see later on would be something that would be called debt. Now, is debt a sin? Be careful, that's a trick question. If there were no debt, there would be no need for a jubilee, right? God didn't forbid borrowing of money. He just said, when you borrow, you, you commit to pay, you pay. And so if you've made that agreement that this is how much, you borrow this total amount, but this is what you're agreeing to pay on a certain date, that's what you do. Romans says, owe no man anything but, uh, no, oh, oh, no man nothing but love. So in other words, we follow our commitment. We're going to be morally pure. If you agree to do that, then you're supposed to follow through with it. The thing is, is the problem is, is credit card debt and stuff like that gets way out of hand. Most people, to, for a business to... to to get a business going or to like to buy a major purchase like a house. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, I got a house. I got a house payment. I'm sinning. No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, if you're making your payments, right? Now, if you bought more than you could afford without any 
thought of like when that payment was going to come just because, oh, I like that. Oh, I'm going to have that too. Oh, I like that as well. Oh, and I, and uh-oh, now then our desire for certain things are overwhelming us and has got us out of the food, shelter, and clothing, <laughs> you know, just having a shelter. Now, again, God wants us to have good things. and he wants, us to, he wants to bless us. He wants us to be happy. That's what it says in his word, in all of our ways of our life to be happy. So, but if you go out here and you do something that you can't afford, now then you're stepping over into something that's questionable. Would you agree with that? Now, so what is, what would be sin to one person might not be sin to another person. Would you agree on that? So don't go around judging somebody and where they live, what they drive or whatever. If they can afford it and it's, it's you know, this is what's provided or what's needed, then fine. There's a lot of little stipulations and what-ifs and all this stuff there that we don't have time to get into, but I just wanted to let you off the hook there a little bit that there are some things that, if, that you can't, that, that where debt is necessary, and that could be, but you ought to purpose on a home. You ought to purpose to be able to get out from that if you can double up on your payments and be able to get out from underneath that interest and everything. Then you'll be freer to do certain things to do what God would call you to do. If he said, get on a plane tomorrow and go to Africa, how many of you could do that? Could you literally say, okay, I can stop what I'm doing and get on the plane and go. I can afford to buy the ticket. I can afford not to be where, I'm, where I would be normally, and I can do that. If that's what God, if he wants you to be in that position, we need to be hearing that so that we can do what he wants us to do at the time he wants us to do it. I mean, think about it. If money were no option or no, no problem or uh, it wasn't a factor, I guess, if you say, what would you, what would you be doing? How would you be living? Now, all of a sudden, does it, things run through your mind? Oh, I'd have this, I'd have that, I'd have this, I'd have that. Uh-oh, watch out. What's happening? Yeah, we're getting stuff mentality rather than a God mentality. Again, he wants us to be free so that we can accomplish his will. Isn't that the simplicity of it? We're to be free, financially free, so we can accomplish his will. So that at any time, if whatever he speaks for us to do, we'll be free to do it. So if God were to speak to you to do certain things, maybe it's not for you. It might be for one person. It might not be for the next. So again, this gets down into a specific will of God in each one of our lives. So what is prosperity? What does the word mean? Prosperity simply means to succeed or to flourish. God wants us to, to flourish. He wants us to succeed. He told Joshua, you know, he says, uh, don't let this, the, this book of the law, he said, meditate upon it day and night so that you can have good success. He wants us to succeed. He wants us to succeed in reaching his intended purpose for our life. So he wants us to prosper. The problem is, is when we pull prosperity over and we get this mentality of shaping that prosperity of like flourishing and I can have a lot of things and we think that success is determined by the amount of things that we have, then we got a problem because we're changing the definition of things to make it fashion what we want. What does wealth mean? Wealth simply means abundance. And it's abundance of, of uh, uh, well, let's see what I've got here. Uh, let me see. I think I have the definition of it somewhere. It's an abundance of valuable possessions. 
So a, an abundance of, of valuable possessions, and a lot of it is money, or it could be you know, certain things that, are, that uh, if you were to resell them, they would be valuable. But what is a valuable possession? You know, I mean, we look around, we see some people talk about, I'm a wealthy person because I've got, you know, children and grandchildren and, and various things. And other people say, I got, grand, I got children and grandchildren, but they... <laughs> and I don't know if it's too valuable or not, you know. Um, so in the kingdom of God, prosperity is common and, and wealth is normal. And Jesus said that, that I would that, uh, that you, or he said that the, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or have it to the full. Again, boy, four people can hear this and every, each one of them can have a different perspective or a different idea of what I'm saying. Some people will come up after and say, Pastor, that was a good message. Somebody else will go tell somebody, well, I can't believe Pastor's talking like that. So y'all help me out. I'm glad they're recording it. We've got to keep it in, into, in the right perspective. It's got to be in a balance because God wants us to have... He doesn't mind us having things as long as things don't have us. He doesn't mind us pursuing certain things or certain vocations as long as that vocation or that thing doesn't capture us and we then become a slave to it and we have to serve that to keep that going. There's ministries that start TV programs and then they buy all, all this TV time and they end up becoming a slave to the, that project because they got to raise money to pay for all the stuff. And then, then so they start to project their lack upon you and me and that if, you know, you've got to send all this money so that they can pay their bills. Well, wait a minute. Maybe you don't need to be that far. <laughs> what did God say? If God told you to do it, then his provision comes, Right? Is everybody following me? I'm not trashing anybody. I'm just trying to put this in a perspective so we can see how we've got, to, we've got to maintain that particular type of view. God wants me to go and to accomplish his will. I've got to discover what that will is. And then if I need any, whatever I need to accomplish it, he's going to supply. John 15, 16. You've not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Fruit that will remain. And if you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it you, or give it to you. So we like the last part of that. God's going to give me anything. Anything I ask, he's going to give it to me. Oh, boy, I'm excited. Whoa! we got to read the first part of it. You didn't choose him. You know, he chose us, and he chose us to do his will, to go and accomplish his will. And when we do that, it's going to produce fruit or certain uh, uh, things that will, re and that fruit remains. It's for all eternity. It's not just for temporary. It's for all eternity. And so if we need anything to accomplish that, then we ask the Father and he, uh, he gives it to us. So agree or disagree, God wants us to be free. You agree? So how do we, how do we become free? By knowing the truth. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To be absolutely sure of the truth, and then the truth will, be, will set you free. Sometimes we just kind of think, we hope that that's the truth. We hope that that's God's will, because we really like it real well. And so, and, and if we talk real nice to God, and if we, oh God, please, just this one time. And if we beg God, and we bribe God, 
that in all those things, then maybe he'll change his mind. Because that's how we used to get stuff from mom and dad. My sister was a lot better at it than me. It used to aggravate me. <laughs> you know, we have certain ways to manipulate people to get our way. We find that coming into our spiritual life, and so we try to take those same ways to manipulate God to get our will and think, and if we do it long enough, then God's going to change his mind, and, and then I'll have it, then I can have my way. Excuse me. It's supposed to be his way. <laughs> so knowing the truth about financial freedom, four things. We may get to all four of them. We may not get to all four of them. We're free not to get to them. First thing is, is to know that God is your source. If you want financial freedom, the very first thing that you have to do in this foundation that we've laid here for these four principles is to know that God is your source. Not you, you're not your source. Not that job, not mom and dad, not the husband if you get a real rich one or a or a, a wife, if she's real rich or whatever, or, or if you win the lottery, that's not your source. Come on now. What is a source? A source is a person, place, or thing that, uh, where something originates, where it starts. And so it all starts with God. And so my hope is in Him. My expectation is in Him. You must be absolutely sure that He is your source for financial prosperity because if not, then you're just kind of, you're not really hoping, which biblical hope is earnest expectation. I expect it because I know that it's His will so I can expect that the provision will be here. If you just kind of, like the, a, a world type of hope, that's wishing. And we want three more wishes. <laughs> no. Oh... <laughs> And then it's kind of like, I hope, I hope. That means that you're really not sure. I'm not really sure if it's God's will, but I'm just hoping that it's God's will. So we'll go here and we do all this, and we create all this debt, and now we've got a problem. So now we've got a mountain. Oh, well, Jesus, if you just say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, it's going to be gone. So mountain, and the mountain says, yeah, you talking to me? <laughs> you ever had one of those mountains? I've had some financial mountains before. And so we say, well, God, oh, God, help me with this mountain, this financial mountain. God, please help me. Lord, supply. So he comes over and he gives you a, not a backhoe, not a front-end loader to move the mountain, not even a shovel. He gives you a spoon. <laughs> now, move this mountain, and when it's moved, maybe you'll realize that you don't want to do this again. Y'all haven't been there. I, I've been there. And so he said, I don't ever want to do that again. When that last payment comes, whoo, thank you, Jesus. I say, is that, is that what you want to drive? That's exactly what I want to drive. Why? Because it's paid off. It's free. There's nothing better. Let me tell you something. When we started applying this principle in our life, I don't know, I guess we had one child. And... Um, we got out of debt as a, as a young couple because God was calling us into ministry. And so I knew that we needed to go into ministry. Now, when we got married, you know, mom and dad had a washer and a dryer and a Kirby vacuum sweeper. And they had carpet on their floor. They had, you know, they had furniture and all this. We're a brand new couple, okay? Didn't have anything. So what did we do? We went out and we bought furniture for every room, new carpet because we liked the way it looked, um, everything we needed, washer, dryer, a new car for her, a new car for me. Come on. 
Y'all probably haven't done that. So all of a sudden, then God says, hey, I want you to go into ministry. I'm going, okay, as soon as all this stuff's paid off, <laughs> where I can. And I found myself stuck. I wasn't free. I wasn't free at all. I was, I was hung. I was a slave then to that because I, then I had to go to work because you got to go, you know, it, you know the little song, hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go? No, mine was I-O, I-O. <laughs> so it's off to work I go, you know. So I had to go. I wasn't free to say, hey, I'm going fishing today. Well, okay, so fine. I'll, you're firing me? Okay. No big deal. No, that's not the kind of attitude you're supposed to have because you're supposed to be a, a good employee. But I remember then when this happened, we were debt free. I remember going to work thinking, take this job. And, oh, no. <laughs> that got you. No, I, I thought, I don't, I mean, I don't have to be here. I went because I wanted to go. And I didn't have to have that job. And when they started talking about layoffs and how hard times were and everybody was panicking, I'm like, well, I guess now it's time to go into ministry. I was wondering when God was going to confirm it. And that's when he confirmed it. Like, no big deal. Just close that chapter, go to another one. Because that's what was happening. People, we've got to be free that... Now, since that time, though, you know, what happens is life goes in cycles. So you get out of debt, then after a while, then you forget. <laughs> no. You got to be careful. You got to learn those lessons and, and not get into them again, right? So the very first thing is, is know that God is your source. Not that job or not this or that or that person or that, you know, if I can just do this, then, then I'll have it made. God's our source. Um, so I guess the first point under this major category would be, who's your daddy? <laughs> yeah, who's your source? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who is your source? Who do you come to? Well, it's, it's daddy God, right? Look at the 121st Psalm. The 121st Psalm. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm sure glad I came to church today. Aren't you, isn't it good to, to hear a message on money, about money, and we're not receiving an offering. I'm not going to manipulate you to try to make you give. We're just trying to help you to be free, okay? Look at the 121st Psalm. David says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Oh, wait a minute. You talk about a source. He goes back to the one he made the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, he will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither sleep or neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord will keep you from all harm. Everybody say all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. I think that's pretty good. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who's your daddy now? <laughs> Who's your source? It's God. God's your source. He says, I will lift up my heads to the hills. And where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And the difficult times, people talking about, you know, maybe the stock market's going to do this, the stock market's not going to do that, or, you know, there's going to be layoffs, there's not going to be layoffs. Wait a minute. Who's your daddy? <laughs> where does your help come from? 
Your help doesn't come from Washington, D.C. or from, you know, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. It doesn't come from there. You know, where does your help come from? It comes from God. Now back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Listen to this. Let's read verses 24 through 32 and let this come together because we've got to know the truth so that the truth can set us free. You say, Pastor, you're reading a lot of Scripture. Well, hello, we're talking about knowing the truth. So if you don't hear the truth, how are you going to know it? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. You know, what will you eat or, or drink or about your body? What will you wear? Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Hello. You know, they were having the problem 2,000 years ago, you know whether it was going to be a, a whatever brand, you know. He says, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little what? Faith. It's not God. God is the source He's there. He takes care of all of his creation. We're part of his creation. He's going to do what he said to do. The only hindering factor would be our faith. So he says, you have little faith. Verse 31, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness... And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, those are... Thank you, Jesus, for saying those words and telling us who our source is and what's going on and where we need to, what we need to be concerned about and where, what we don't need to be worrying about. So the second thing would be, I guess, when we see that God, the very first point for financial freedom and knowing about the truth about financial freedom is who's your source or who's your daddy? The next thing, who are you going to call? When the difficult times come, who are you going to call? Well, he just told us, the Lord, the, heaven, the maker of heaven and earth. But let me just read some other scriptures and give you some references. You can jot these down. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 says, I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him for that day. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the, the ability to produce wealth and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. He says, so look, uh, remember the Lord. He's the one that has given you the very ability to get wealth. He's our source. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He's not a shifty character. <laughs> he's God, and he's, he doesn't change. He's always going to be there. You can call upon him when you need him. And if it's, you've, 
this thing is according to help you accomplish or his will, you can call upon him. Jesus said, ask anything in my name and he'll give it to you. The last scripture that you can jot down for this reference is Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. We just released some favor this morning over Jay. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk, uh, whose walk is blameless. So, that's what he says. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold. Can you count on that? Do you know that? Are you absolutely sure that, that's, that God's not going to withhold any good thing from you? It says, and here's the qualifications, from those whose walk is blameless. What does that simply mean? Moral purity, just like he was saying in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, you know, his will to be accomplished, and his righteousness in a morally pure way, and all these things will be added to you. So it confirms it there in the 84th Psalm. He's, he's not going to withhold any good thing to those who are walking an upright walk. Why? Because he doesn't have to. Because he, not, he knows that they're going to be seeking what needs to be sought from him to do his will. Hmm. God's financial system transcends the national economy. God's economy is more secure. It's not dependent upon Wall Street or anything else. It's above those things. And, you know... Under his financial system, under his financial system, and that's what you need to decide, which financial system do you want to be under? You know, you can't have a little of this and a little of that. You know, you got to make a decision. So under his financial system and under his principles, the financial freedom can be attained. God wants us to be financially free. He wants it more than you do. So if we'll follow those things, he'll, he'll bring it about. He wants you, he wants your family. He knows how important it is to you and to your family, so God's concerned about it, and he wants to, you to be financially free. Number two, not only do we need, God needs to be our source, we need to know that God is our source. Number two, we need to believe that God delights in your prosperity. Well, actually, that must have confused you. Because number one is know that God is your source. Number two is believe that God delights in your prosperity. Believe that God delights. So do you think God gets excited when he's able to bless you and when you're prospering? He's like, oh, he's, uh, he's going a little too much. Go slap him around a bit. Take something away from him. He don't appreciate it. Is that how God is? Is he a mean God that looks to just see, well, I'm going to kick somebody around here. I don't want anybody, you know, getting ahead of us any. You know, get too much. No, when he sees them achieving something, it's like, yes. When they're blessed, when, when they're increasing and flourishing, God says, yes, that's my child. How many parents would just be, you know, if your child began to flourish and, and got a great job and, and just, you know, they had a beautiful home and, and some beautiful kids, how many would come in and say, oh, this is ridiculous. You know, now you're not going to have this. Uh-uh, no. No way. No child of mine. <laughs> Going to be living in a nice house, driving a nice car. No way. That's stupid, isn't it? Well, God's the same. He wants to delight in your prosperity. You say, well, okay, that sounds good. Well, is there a scripture for that? Of course there's a scripture for that. I wouldn't be saying it. <laughs> Psalm 35, verse 27. Psalm 35, verse 27. The next time somebody tries to hammer you down and try to make you walk around in a little 
monk robe and not have anything and take a vow of poverty. So wait a minute. If I do that, God won't be happy. Because it says in Psalm 35, 27, May those who delight in my... Um, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me see where I can get over here where I can see this. May those who delight in my vindication shout for joy and gladness. May they always say, The Lord be exalted who delights in the well being of his servant. God delights in the well being. Well, what is well being? Well being of every part of your life. So he delights in the well being of his servant. You don't have to beg God. You don't have to bribe him. Now, God, if you'll just do this, or just go keep on begging and begging and begging for him to finally surrender. No, you just have to believe. Believe that God delights in your prosperity. Believe that he delights in it. Believe that God, that's his desire. He wants that to happen. And so when you talk about believing, then that gets into your faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, says, And without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must, what? Believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God's a rewarder. He wants to reward you for diligently seeking him. Seeking to accomplish his will in a morally pure way, he rewards you and blesses you with all things. Everybody say all things. So unless you believe that God wants you to prosper financially, you cannot activate your faith for it. You've got to believe that God wants you to flourish, and when you do, that activates your faith to believe for it. It works hand in hand. Faith is the activator of the covenant promises for wealth. You've got to have it. Now, people have taken this and taken certain teaching and has really pushed that way over, you know, about, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to have it. I'm going to you know, I'm going to just declare it. I'm going to have that thing. And what's, but what's their motive behind it? If their motive behind it is self-centered and selfish, and it's not to accomplish God's will, then that's not right. Well, they might justify, well, God wants me to have all things. He does want you to have all things, but it's under that provision thing. I mean, I mean you start on the category of all things, it could be a bigger airplane, just for the sake of having a bigger airplane or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know if we're really stretching it out there, but again... That's where it has to be, bring it back down into the, its right perspective for you and God's will for you. The 112th Psalm, the psalmist writes, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds, and that means respects, reverences God, not walking around afraid that God's going to knock him into the next universe. No, that respects God and honors him. It says, and finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Verse 3, wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. So wealth and riches are in your house. Well, abundance is in your house. And some of you say, yeah, that's right. No, I'm not talking about that kind of abundance. You need to get rid of some of that. You need to have a garage sale. <laughs> not that kind of abundance. Don't be a hoarder, <laughs> you know. Because that's a scarcity mentality. You know, then we're afraid. I mean, sometimes it's not a conscious thing, but I better get off of that. Somebody shout me down now. In Job chapter 36, let's go to there, since it seemed like Job was the one that God took everything away from. In Job 36 verse 11, If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. 
And that's a big deal. Contentment. Because contentment is what drives us off of the mark and puts us over here into greed. And greed is one of the things that keeps us from what? Giving and sowing seed into the kingdom of God that the kingdom of God might advance. So number two, two that we're talking about there is, is believe that God delights in your prosperity. Number three, make God your greatest passion in life. So first, you've got to know that he's your source. Number two, believe that he, he delights in you and, and prospering you. And number three, make God your greatest passion in life. We get all excited about things, get pumped up, and we get people pumped up and motivated to go do things, you know? Maybe you've got a sales force and you've got to get them pumped up to go accomplish their quota, right? Well, we need to get pumped up about God. I'm pumped up. You know, we've got to get, really get excited about God and what He's got going on in His kingdom. In Ephesians chapter 1, listen to what Paul says as he describes how our attitude to God ought to be. Praise be, this is verse 3 in chapter 1 of Ephesians, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Man, God has done all these things for us before the foundation of the world. He created me, he, and He designed me, and He purposed me. And He's now adopted me, and He's done everything. He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. And so now that I need to loose some of those things in heaven and bring them and activate them by my faith, activate them here on earth so that they begin to help me accomplish God's will. Don't get sidetracked. Okay? It's to accomplish His will. Don't get so caught up making a living that you miss living your life. The life that God designed for you to live. Because we can get so caught up making a living and then, then it's, that's not enough. When is it ever enough? It's never enough when there's no contentment in your heart. Right? And then that's when they say everybody's broke just at different levels. <laughs> because then that house wasn't good enough so now you've got to have a 35,000 square foot house. There's people living in houses bigger than this church. Excuse me. Are you, are you giving that out to people that don't have a house? Is that why you have to have so many rooms? I mean, it's a lot of toilets unless you got, you know, so you could help the homeless population by bringing them in and giving them a home. So it's nothing wrong with that. If, that's, if, if you can afford this and God's bless you with that, that's fine. But wait a minute. There's a point where it can go a little bit excess. Are you listening to me? I'm just saying, and don't, here's the other thing, don't judge anybody because they have a bigger house than what you have because you don't know. You don't know how God wants to bless them. Maybe they suffered through this and this and this and then this and all of a sudden now then they've been laying up uh, treasure in heaven and God says, hey, I want to just release a little bit of blessing to you right now. It's just a little, I'm going to let you flourish a little bit more. Don't ever judge somebody from flourishing. Okay. If you're not sure, you just pray. Pray and say, God bless them. Because your blessing's coming, amen? Um, so God should be our reason for living, not money. A lot of people, that's the only reason why they're making a living and money is what drives them. Proverbs 23, verse 4. 
Do not wear yourself out to get rich. It's in the Word. You've got to know it, and it'll set you free. Don't wear yourself out. This is the NIV. I like the way it just says it here. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Isn't that good? That's the Word of God. Verse 5. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. Oh, yeah! Right? It's just like, you know, here it was, now it's gone. You say, well, where'd that money go? Depends on how many teenagers you have at home. <laughs> Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Pew, money flies. <laughs> it really does. When you prioritize God, he will prioritize your provisions. When you put him first, he's going to put you first, the provisions first as well. Matthew 6.33, again, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Isaiah 1, 19. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. Not just eat from the land, you will eat the best from the land. So make God your greatest passion in life. Put him first. You know, and again, but one person's perspective of abundance is like, kids say, what do you want for Christmas? I don't need anything. You know, I mean, it's like, I got everything I need. And I've even got titanium hips, man. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, what a deal. I mean, how many people have that? Yeah, you know, I, I can even strut with those titanium hips, you know. <laughs> I mean, we're blessed. So one person's abundance might be... Another person might look at that and say, that's nothing. That's why we've got to keep it in perspective. The last one, number four, become a passionate sower. So we've got to make sure that you've got to know that God is your source. You've got to believe that he delights in your prosperity. And you've got, what was number three? You've got to make God the greatest passion of your life. And number four, become a passionate sower. Now, we've got to get into a position where we can sow seed. If you're a farmer and you only have a little bit of seed so that you only need a little bit of ground here so you can get that going, right? And you work real hard and you get that so that when you have your harvest, you save seed and you double so the next year you can plant more, right? If you're a passionate sower, what you're doing, and you're kingdom-minded, you're like, okay, I see how this thing works. You know, you're going to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you understand seed faith and giving, you become a passionate sower because you know that that's going to produce another harvest. The harvest off of that, you can produce more seed to sow into for another harvest to the point of where you become a passionate sower. Wow! Do you think God's kingdom can advance? Sure can. That's God's design. If every Christian were doing that, boy, we wouldn't have a missions problem. We would take our C-40 plane and go over and pick people up, some of the refugees, and build a place for them, to build them new houses. I'm telling you, there's that much wealth that's out there if we were doing what needed to be done. As a, I mean, I'm talking about the universal body of Christ. But you see how Satan hits this. And he starts by making our greed and our discontentment want to do it for us. And what that does is it, we begin to eat our seed rather than sow the seed. And when you eat the seed, it doesn't produce anything, right? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And so, you know, the greatest hindrance to sowing is fear. Well, I don't know if I can sow that or not because 
I gotta have this for something else. Well, so how come you put yourself in a situation where now you're afraid that you won't have enough to sow? Hello. Now, these are things that we want to get to. We want to get to the place where we can be a passionate sower. Maybe you have messed up. If you haven't, boy, what planet did you come from? Because that's how we learn, really, on finances. But maybe, you know, uh, maybe you find yourself in a mess and you don't really, you can't, you don't have that much seed but start with what you have and begin to sow that so you can begin to produce more seed to have for another harvest. Start where you are. I've heard on some of these um, fundraising things for ministries on television, go bar, you know, use your credit card, borrow money to sow a seed so that God can bless you. Because you know, it's a certain number, and if you did that, and people putting it on a credit card, are you serious? And paying... 15% interest on something that they didn't have. If you don't have seed, anyway, I don't want to get there because I'll just get mad. But he says here, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And you know what the word power, the, the Greek word that's used there is dunamis. That means miraculous power. God hasn't given us fear, but this power that produces miracles and love, that's agape. If you look it up, it says feast. It's a love feast. <laughs> it says, so man, you have this compassion, this love, so much love there. He didn't give you fear, but out of love and out of miraculous power, we sow that and it produces what needs to be produced for God's kingdom, for his will to advance. Passionate sowers. Jesus said in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Things that we've heard, right? Let me read a couple of things here about seed and then we'll pray because we won't get done, but we'll just stop. How about that? If what you hold in your hand is not big enough to be your harvest, it's got to be your seed. And whatever, when you open your hand to God... He opens his hand for, to you. There's some things that he does. He says, give and it shall be given. When you open your hand in sowing seed, God opens his hand in restoring back to you. You can't, you can't get to a point of where that, you're not, that you outgive him. You just can't outgive God. Because he will, when you handed out the front door, we used to sing this song, it was an old southern gospel song. When you hand it out the front door, he hauls it in the back door. Why? Because he... Once this thing gets flowing, it's a tremendous uh, harvest mechanism that brings about a harvest accomplishing God's will. And it moves. It goes forward. And Isaiah says, I will make you into a new sharp threshing instrument that will crush the mountains. You know, and it, and it talks about that. That's what we need to be is this type of harvesting machine that, man, it's like moving. If there's a mountain there, it just crushes it, gets it out of the way. We're moving on for harvest. People, this will produce in your life the blessings of God, what you need. You don't compare it to somebody else. You compare it to what situation that you're in and what God wants to do in your life. And be thankful Amen. with gratitude. If you have two seeds, be thankful you got two seeds. <laughs> Plant one, eat the other one. <laughs> Next time when you harvest that, you'll have more seed. Yeah. Are you following that? I think you know, I think you know the rest of this. 
But God wants to bless us. He wants us to be financially free. He wants you to be free so He can use you in a greater way. Not just so that you can go out here and run and, and get these things that you want. You've got to get to the place that what you want is what God wants. And what God wants is what you want, and that lines up. And then you ask what you will, and it shall be given, because God says, of course I'm going to give it to you. That's what I want. That was what I was wanting anyway. Are you following that? So let's pray. And as we're praying, first thing I want you to do is, if there's an area in your life where you're not free in your finances, I want you to see that thing, and I want you to focus on it, and ask God to give you wisdom. Remember, in James it says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives liberally. So if there's a problem, if you've got a problem, you've got something where you're being held back, and Satan has you ensnared, and you're not free, look at it. Ask God to give you wisdom on that thing, on how to be able to get out of it, and pray. Ask God, if you messed up, ask God for forgiveness. And he'll give, it, he'll give you forgiveness and asking for wisdom. He'll give you wisdom on what to do to be able to get out of that mess. But Father, we come to you today and we, do, we ask that you give us insight. Speak to our hearts today. Father, this is very important because we've got to be free to be able to serve you. And Father, there's areas that we look at as we look at our finances right now. Father, there's, there's people in here today that they don't even know how much they owe, and they just hope that they're able to make it each month because they've overextended themselves. Some things were what needed to happen, and other things were just maybe just because of lack of wisdom. But Lord, you can help us on these things. So we ask that you forgive us on where we made bad choices. We ask for your favor, and we ask for wisdom on what we can do to start making good choices, financial choices. Let me ask you today, do you know that God is your source? You need, then you can trust in Him. Don't trust in something else. Don't put, your, don't put your faith in something else. God is your source. Don't have other idols or other gods. There can't be any other God but God. Do you believe that He really does delight? He finds pleasure in blessing and He finds pleasure in prosperity that He releases to His people? You've got to know that. He's a good God, and He wants to bless you. Have you made Him the greatest passion of your life? Do, are you consumed with the thought of saying, what can I do for God? How can I, I, I want to discover His will. I've got to get out there and accomplish His will. It's driving you. Can you. Do you have that much passion about God's will being accomplished in your life? And what about a seed sower? Are you a passionate sower? Are you in a position where you can sow seed into the kingdom of God? If you're not, ask God to give you wisdom on how you can get in that position. There's not a greater feeling in all the world than being free to be able to sow seed into the kingdom of heaven and see those things bringing forth a harvest in, in the spiritual realm, in that realm of his kingdom, producing, going forward, seeing things be accomplished that you sow into. And then God, on the, right behind that, he's bringing a harvest into your life 
so that you can sow more seed. Jesus said, if you can't be trusted in the things, the natural things of this world, how can we entrust spiritual things to you? So God's watching the decisions that we make. So Lord, as we're praying today, and we're asking you to give us, to forgive us on areas where we made poor choices. Lord, wisdom on what we need to do on the next choices that we make. Lord, I pray that you just release your favor upon your people. We know that that's what you want to do. Lord, we get in a position to receive it. And so we're asking right now, Father, for these things, forgiveness, for wisdom. Father, for a passion to, to sow seed and, and, and to see your will accomplished. So we surrender our will today. Can you just do that to the Lord? Say, Father, I surrender my will and I want to accomplish your will. That will make the difference in the decisions that you make. If you're here today and you're not sure that you're a child of God, you're not sure that you're even living under his kingdom, you need to be sure about that. You need to make sure that, that you know that when it, if this were your time to, to leave this world, do you know that you would spend it with, in eternity with Christ and, and all those believers? If you're not sure, why don't you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure. But I want to be sure that I'm a child of God. I want to make sure that I've accepted him, that, he's, that Jesus is my Savior, he's my King, he's everything. If you're not sure, just raise your hand. Maybe you're here, nobody looking around. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I made some, some poor decisions, financial decisions, and I find myself, as if it was like that one, you've been tried in the balances and you've been found wanting. <laughs> Maybe you... You're just coming up heavier on the debt side than you are on the other side. Maybe because of poor, poor decisions. I want to pray with you this morning. Just raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me because I made some bad decisions. I recognize it, and I'm asking God to forgive me, and I need wisdom. Amen. 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 Father, right now, these hands that are raised, I thank you right now that you, that you told us to ask. I, I know that, you're, that forgiveness is there. Now, Father, I thank you for wisdom being released to be able to examine these things and that these decisions are spiritual decisions. Father, just thank you for working it right now. If you're here this morning, nobody looking around, you say, Pastor, my desire.